everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, one of your other hosts. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Uh, but James, you know what we never hit the end of? What do we never hit the end of? Good guests. Ooh, yeah. Good, and, good point. Yeah. And I am very excited about this one because yeah. this guest is someone who has been here with the network for a good long time uh, and is a part of another show that I do called Myth Takes. Uh, and so I mm -hmm. would like to welcome, uh, sorry, Your Honor, I would like to call to the stand. <laughs> hmm. uh, I'm changing changing this uh, narrative very quickly. I'll allow it, but watch yourself, McCoy. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I would like to call to the stand the witness, Lindsay Nelson. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Do I have to swear in on a first edition of Amazing Spider-Man? Is <laughs> yeah, that like yeah. the... Oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you do. She knows, she knows the procedure. That's really, that'll make yeah. things go a lot quicker, I think. Absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, you just raise your right hand and you say, with great power comes great responsibility. Comes great responsibility. <laughs> right. Uh, Excelsior. Uh, well, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Long time no pod with both of you. So I know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> it's been a minute. Before we get into uh, talking about uh, the scene, we we always like to ask our, our guests the first time they, they are guests on our show, uh, sort of what your background with um, Marvel is in terms of perhaps the comic books or the movies or or whatever you have uh, as in terms of background, in terms of, um, yeah, what what's your experience with comic books and comic book movies and stuff? So as a kid, I definitely, my two main series were X-Men, um, and I did read a Batman from the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Marvel was definitely my preferred universe that I'd like kind of mess around with random, you know, books and series in. But the only series I read really in a dedicated way was X-Men. Okay. Um, but then uh, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I've been very into that from the beginning. I like the extended universe format of storytelling and i have now done <laughs> three full rewatches one in like the original as everything aired yes um, oh no i suppose i've done i'm on my fourth so i've done <laughs> the original as everything was released yes i did one all the way through chronologically not broken down by scene but sure. when the stuff would have come out in right. the time frame of the sure. universe absolutely and then i took a friend all the way through because she saw Black Panther mm -hmm. and she hadn't done anything else in the MCU but like Black Panther so much that it made her curious but she is a, a real stickler which I appreciate for like the story in the proper order so she, we did an entire rewatch of the whole thing and now I'm taking my 13 year old sister through the whole thing so that's my fourth rewatch through the whole <laughs> fantastic that. that is yeah that is inspirational because you're you're taking it to you're you're going laterally to friends and up and down to new generations of people. So mm -hmm. yep, you're spreading the good word, you know. And uh, exactly. in this church, no, um. <laughs> <laughs> wildly uh, wildly interesting vibes of both court and church uh, in mm -hmm. this. Yeah, one, you, to start up here in this show, we do not separate ch uh, church and state. So you know, <laughs> all the classic institutions. Yeah. Exactly. So. And now for the third one, war. So. Um, <laughs> Not wrong. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, where church bridges and, them together, right? In a way, where church and and, <laughs> and, and justice meet. Um, Quite frequently, yeah. or at least that's what that's what they tell us. <laughs> so, anyways, America. Uh, we <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are uh, going to start. Uh, well, today 
today's scene we're going to be talking about is Captain America start at minute 1455 and mm-hmm. you're going to end at minute 1716 and here is what happens and this for the benefit specifically of you Lindsay we have never done this before uh is going to take Ooh. the form of readers theater uh because there's some exchanges <laughs> that I want to use to highlight uh some parts of things that happen so I have get, okay. And you get to be the audience, because I've given Colin an opportunity to, in very much similar way to the way Stanley Tucci got this part, because he wanted to show off his German accent. Um, mm-hmm. Colin's going to show off his German accent with this Reader's Theater. So I'll just be the MP who comes in around the curtain really quick and perfect. then leaves immediately. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. You know your role as well as he knows his role. Intimidating. <laughs> stare. Mm-hmm. leave as soon as uh, Stanley Tucci gets in there. Um, mm-hmm. Well, maybe not the third one. Okay, so Steve goes into the examination room at the enlistment office where we saw him in the last scene uh, wander off from the group. Uh, he is getting undressed while a doctor organizes some bandages. I couldn't really tell what he was organizing. It looked like it could have been anything. Busy work. Yeah, he folding <laughs> laundry or something. Um, a nurse comes in and whispers to the doctor, the doctor leaves and tells Steve to wait there. Steve grows increasingly nervous. He looks at the sign on the wall that advises that it is illegal to falsify the enlistment form. He decides to make a run for it and goes over to a chair to put on his shoes as he is doing because it's the 40s and you put on your shoes before you leave the examination room. As he is doing so, an intimidating MP comes in and stares him down. Steve stares back until the man that was watching him and the, until the man that was watching him and Bucky before comes in and dismisses the MP. He intru- introduces his blah, blah. He introduces himself as Dr. Abraham Erskine, which I didn't notice until this. I just watched it a minute ago that he pronounces that I with a long I. Um, we mm-hmm. won't be doing that. Uh, we certainly haven't in the ones we've recorded right. going forward. So, Because um, also, represent- doesn't everyone else also? Yeah. They yeah, not pr- use you know, the long America, I? we ignore how you pronounce your name and we'll Ooh, just pronounce okay. it how. <laughs> now I feel like we need to go fix it. No, 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 no. It's fine. He. Never mind. That was about to be a dark joke. Okay, so uh, a representative. It won't matter for long. Is that what it is? Yeah, exactly. He introduced yeah. himself as Dr. Abraham Erskine, a representative of the Strategic Scientific Reserve. And then we're going to start with quote one, Colin. I'll mm-hmm. be Steve Rogers. Okay. Where are you from? Queens, 73rd and Utopia Parkway. Before that, Germany. <laughs> Erskine. Erskine Erskine confronts Steve about his five different attempts to enlist, saying it's not the exams he's interested in, it's the five tries. Uh, Second quote. Do you want to kill Nazis? Is this a test? Yes. I don't want to kill anyone. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Well, there are already so many big men fighting this war. Maybe what we need now is a little guy, huh? Erskine says that he can offer Steve a chance. Steve says he'll take it. Erskine stamps him 1A. Steve Rogers has successfully enlisted. And Colin, will you take us out with quote number three? Congratulations, soldier. And as Steve looks at the 1A, he breathes uh, deeply in sort of uh, an emotional way, but also possibly an asthmatic way. We're not really sure. (laughs) It does cut away right before he goes... (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Hyperventilates and they have to resuscitate him, actually. (laughs) I have made a good choice. I don't think they had inhalers yet. (laughs) Exactly. You know, that's a good point. 
you just stay at home and and maybe go to the beach um to get your that good air um <clears throat> that good air yeah. and try not to get overexcited <laughs> right well, exactly the inhaler is apparently invented in this okay now this is very confusing because i have two separate dates on this the room size inhaler though. it says the first one was created by english physician and astronomer john mudge in 1778 johnny mudge uh but it was a pewter tankard yeah so um, that would be like a big but then Let's see. This photo has like four other pictures. Uh, Then there was a portable nebulizer, I think is what these are. It's like slightly, it's hard to read. It's like slightly blurry in 1858. But the meter dose inhaler wasn't until 1956. So yeah. Okay. No. Fair. Earth guy. He just had a portable nebulizer and had to like pull out like all this stuff. (laughs) Um, Let's start things off. Let's do a little quick Avengers ensemble. Then we'll get to questions. Then I'll then we'll get to some some fun historical context. Avengers Ensemble. Uh, so this is Avengers Ensemble. Uh, the first person we're going to talk about is Young Doctor, uh, and it is play. He is played by an actor named Doug Cockle, which you. That shouldn't be funny. Sorry. You know, he's not English, so that's oh. that's important to. I should have put that at the beginning, but I did put it in caps, so I did see it before the end. Um, he is the voice of Geralt in The Witcher, uh, The Witcher one, two, three, three point one, three point two, and Gwent, the Witcher card game, and also Soul Calibur six, where I guess The Witcher makes an appearance that's or something. He, interesting. That's wow. That's the that the, he is The Witcher. Um, and then in the movie Reign of Fire, which is that Matthew McConaughey, uh, mm-hmm. uh, dragon movie, Christian yeah. Bale, he plays a character named Goosh. So he, Doug Cockle, long and storied career of, uh, Witcher and Goosh, Witcher and Goosh, the new cop show coming this fall. <laughs> Only on Disney plus. I'm Roderick Goosh. Um, all right. So, uh, and the and other I'm one Witcher. is. <laughs> and I'm Witch- Witcher Smith. <laughs> okay. I like that that's now. I thought that was the last name, but I like no, that this is the first name now. Yeah, it's Witcher is short for Witchard. Um mm. the uh other one is the Enlistment Office MP. Uh this is a uh, uh an actor named Ben Bat with two T's. This is the only thing that jumped out at me as being comic slash geek related. It's a lot of BBC stuff because He's English. So the count of, we should actually go back and count um, How many the English to not English. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Playing only Americans. one of them does a British accent, and that is uh, Peggy Carter. So, Lindsay, wow. yeah. now we have some uh, guestions, which are our guest questions. Um, mm-hmm. So, my first question, my first guestion, uh, I wrote down until uh, like 10 minutes ago maybe 15 minutes ago, something about the Tooch. So then I was talking to <laughs> Colin and, and deciding that maybe I should write down anything more. So actually, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a choice either or both uh, favorite Stanley Tucci movies, or have you ever attempted any of Stanley Tucci's recipes? Cause he has that cooking thing, career, that, that, that swivel into the cooking uh, area that he has been doing recently. Mm-hmm. And also I mean- you like to cook and stuff. I do like to cook. Uh, no, so, hmm, favorite Stanley Tucci movie. I don't know. I mean, he is one of those people who I'll see something just because he's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good. Yeah. I mean, he's so charismatic. How much in just the brief time 
that he is in this movie, you fall completely in love with him. 100%. And are, like, it's just amazing. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. What is the name of the, like, French farce in the 30s that he wrote? Um, uh, they're on a cruise ship. Let's see. It's like him and his friend is a, they're, they're actors, they're starving actors, and they accidentally stow away on a cruise ship, and then it's all like... Isabella Rossellini is like a countess the who's imposters. hiding. The imposters. The imposters. The imposters. Yes, thank you. Oh, that was going to drive me crazy. I, I really, I mean, I love a lot of his performances. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Julia and Julia is Yay. great. Yes. Um, but uh-huh. I really do like The Imposters, and I think it's a very underappreciated Stanley Tucci movie mm-hmm. um, that I was actually, in, and he wrote it, so it was, but... Uh, I was actually introduced to it by my sister's fiance. Okay. His family is very big on it. Mm-hmm. And his sister was working as a server in college and actually waited on Stanley Tucci and said, I'm sorry, I normally never do this, but I just have to tell you, I'm a really big fan. My family and I love The Imposters. It's one of our favorite movies. We watch it all the time. And he's like, oh, great. That makes you and my mom who have seen <laughs> that movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is, but, love that. I, I'm surprised I have never heard of this movie until now, and I definitely want to see it because not only is Stanley Tucci in it, but also oh, the cast is amazing. Yeah, Alfred Molina and Tony Shalhoub and Steve Buscemi also. Allison Janney, Isabella Rossellini. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, an incredible. It's one of those "Hey, all my friends, yeah. will you yeah. get together and make a movie with me?" Movies. Oliver Let's Platt. go cruising and we'll film it. I guess. Like, yeah. I, wrote, I wrote everyone read these lines. It'll be fun. Don't worry about it. Wow. Yeah, I'm still scrolling through this cast list. This is crazy. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Awesome. Excellent. Good. Good wreck. Excellent job. And so I have uh, made one of his recipes. Oh, awesome! It's the the risotto with coffee in it. Oh. Okay. It's really good. Risotto is a entree, it's a, right? It's, it's a, a savory. It's a rice dish, but yeah. it's kind. It's like an Italian. It's a, a boro rice, and you slow cook it, where you keep adding liquid to it, so it gets really creamy. But it is usually an entree dish. It's like yeah. paella or something, yeah. where it is the, you know. And he has one with coffee in it, which is a really surprising choice, yeah. but is really good. What does the coffee do to the do to the the, the risotto? Like what is it? It just change? gives it like this base note. It doesn't taste distinctly of coffee, but it just gives it like a like a dark richness. Love you know? that. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Excellent. So cool. highly recommend. Uh, he's very he's a big fan of risottos, so I would probably say that any of Stanley Tucci's <laughs> risotto recipes are gonna gonna be good. That man knows how to make a Negroni and you know make risotto. So oh, yeah. love that. Excellent. Excellent. Well. <laughs> That couldn't have gone better. I the excellent answers to that to that question. Um, the next one is, I guess, both a. We'll do this both as a hostion and a guestion. So, Colin, you are allowed to participate in this. Okay. This is more related to the scene. Have you ever had an experience of meeting the right person at the right time that allowed a door to be opened that had previously been closed to you? No, I mean I've had some unusual opportunities, but I've. I've gone out of my way to meet the person. Right. Like, I've never yeah. accidentally met the person. Right. right. I mean, I've done things like, you know, I'm a professional gelato chef, which was not a planned career path for me, but right. I did take the steps to meet the person. Right. I used to be a professional. I Okay, I suppose I used to be a professional vampire, and I met that person unintentionally through my sword fighting group. 
I'm gonna, so the, I'm gonna count it. Yeah, that that yeah. I think yeah. that counts for sure. I, for I think sure. that's the closest I've come to <laughs> accidentally meeting the right person. Yeah, that <coughs> professional vampire is a an unexpected answer, but right. on brand. Wildly. Yes. I was gonna say, uh, anybody familiar with me is probably not. Yeah, one of my other ones was I apprenticed at a voodoo temple for a little while, okay. but I went out of my way to meet the priestess running that temple because I was doing a research project on voodoo. So like that wasn't an accident. So I think the closest is gigs for a while as a professional vampire. We should keep you in mind for some, some cloak and dagger stuff coming up. Not, you know, what to, to put us in touch with some people that can uh, speak on some stuff and see if it's horribly offensive or kind of I mean, accurate. That was like <laughs> a decade ago, but I could see if I still <laughs> have their contact. You know info. what they say? Friends and, and colleagues and loose acquaintances are forever. Um, that, that is mm-hmm. the, what they, what they say. <laughs> Colin, have you ever, uh, I mean, aside from meeting me and being allowed to be on, you know, this podcast is clearly, <laughs> one of them but uh that's, i mean anything you know, else anything less obvious i i guess in a way yes like so there's the first thing that came to mind for me is again not exactly an accident because i had met the person years before right so i i guess to some extent it was an accident in terms of like i moved to the county that my parents live in now uh in between middle school and high school um so Going to the high school that I went to, there was no way that I like, could have known necessarily who I was going to get as a teacher there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the orchestra teacher there, uh, uh, he and I are still very close, actually. Um, and so I've known him for ages. And like I've done things like arranged the Pops concert music for him uh, many a year and you know done arrangements and things like that for him. Then when I was doing my undergrad, finally doing it in my late 20s, uh, I needed an intern, uh, sorry, an internship rather for my degree. And so I had known him for years. So I guess like this is a very long burn in a way. But then Mm -hmm. my first internship fell through because they had told me that it was a remote thing. And so I was doing basically digital editing. And then last minute they went actually it's not going to be remote. You have to do it physically here, but I couldn't move into my apartment yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I had like two months where I had to live in Maryland before I could come down. So I was like, I can't do this internship if it's in, in person. So basically I put out the feelers like last minute. He got me a gig with Baseworks, which is a place that he works at during the summer. And mm-hmm. now it's a, you know, a yearly gig for me as well. Uh, I'm now their technical director uh, over there. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but then also, honestly, the network, I think Mm -hmm. is a big thing. Like when it, when the network first started before it became an actual like entity, when it was just kind of like a a group of friends who had throughout time met each other, well, really had met me. And I just sort of was like, I'm pulling (laughs) these four people into a room. Uh, two of them have met, two of them have not. Um, and we'll just kind of go from there. Uh, and then. The idea that like the Mimbim Bambino podcasters, everyone that I met there was just who could have known that that was exactly who I would meet through the group when we first started it. And then that was basically how we got the network off the ground and like actually started it as a full thing was just putting out the word of like, hey, anyone interested in joining like a network? We we want to start one. So let's let's do this together. And so that and then PodCon 
uh, kind mm-hmm. of put everything into motion. And that's how you get this episode of this show in this year, <laughs> in the year of our Lord, uh, Abraham Erskine. Uh-huh. Erskine. A-E. Uh, 2022. <laughs> T-S-A-E, um, the <laughs> new show. Um, yeah, that's awesome. That's that, it, it is funny how, I think it's, it's funny because you can actually, you know, there's, there's what Lindsay talked about where it's like actively going out and trying to do stuff. But like a lot of stuff, if you go back far enough, you can be like, oh yeah, that, I mean, I guess it's the, sort of the sliding doors thing where it's like, oh yeah, this right. is the point where like, if I hadn't happened to go to whatever, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that has made all the difference as, as um, I once wrote in a poem. Um, <laughs> the point of that Robert Frost poem is that the roads didn't make a difference. Right. It's made all the right. difference. No, he said, yeah. I'll, I'll be telling this. It has made all the difference, but it doesn't matter which road he takes. It's, mm-hmm. it, it makes the difference, but it, the difference is the same difference. Literally same difference. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. go down either one. Doesn't matter. We're all going to die. Robert Frost. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I before we get into me talking about things that that I did some research on, Lindsay, I wanted to ask you, uh, what were your thoughts on on this scene and sort of what did it make you think of or feel or or anything that occurred to you while you were watching this one that uh, that you wanted to share with the group? Why did that take the form of like uh, you were a getting in trouble <laughs> passing notes? Like anything you want to share with the group? Um, no, but. Uh, I don't yeah, wanna, I mean, yeah. I think Erskine is set up so well, mm-hmm. and obviously, like it's such a like we were talking about earlier. You have to have somebody like Stanley Tucci who is just this charismatic Absolutely. and this warm, but is really great for setting up obviously the action of this movie, but essentially Steve's whole character. Mm-hmm. Like, if you weren't familiar with Captain America, it's all of his interactions basically with Erskine that sets up the whole foundation of what his character is going to be. Absolutely. So. Yeah, um, I think that they're really important scenes in more than just the sense that Erskine is how he gets the super serum that right. literally makes him Captain America. Right. But it is the with great power comes great responsibility moment for him. It, it is. is. These are ideas that Steve already had. It's what attracted Erskine to him in the first place. But this is where it really cements his whole like philosophy for the rest of his character arc. So. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um one of the things that I that I did some research on is my is the line that hooks me into to Dr. Erskine. Uh, where are you from? Queens, 73rd and Utopia Parkway, before that Germany. He just throws the before that Germany away. It gets mm-hmm. me every time. Um, but, but his like, why do you want to do this? Yeah, why have you tried yeah, five times? Exactly. Are you looking to kill Nazis? Is that what this is about? You know? And that's a, in that environment, do you want to kill Nazis is such a a tricky thing to right. to answer. I mean, for most people, the right answer would be yes. Yeah. Like, for most mm-hmm. people, if you are at an army recruiting station and it is a test, for most people, the answer would be, yes, I want to kill Nazis right. that he would be talking to. It just so happened that he is a person who does not want to kill anybody, right. and he's talking to the person who wants to hear yeah. that he doesn't exactly. want to right. kill anybody. <laughs> I like also, is this a test? And he just sort of like, Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're in an army <laughs> recruitment office. Of course it's a test. Yeah. Uh, I love that so much. Yeah, absolutely. He is. I had never thought of him as sort of like a, you, like an, an Uncle Ben sort of meets a, 
you know, you're uh, like yeah, your and some of that happens after this scene. Sure, sure. But right. he is that character for right Captain America, and we can so. see that in this scene though. They lay, they definitely, like you said, lay the groundwork for that right away in this scene. Um, I wanted to talk about seventy third and Utopia Parkway just really quick, um, <laughs> because I was like, what a specific thing to say. Like, what a what a wildly like this corner is where I live mm-hmm. sort of deal. And I don't want to read this whole thing because um, I uh, packed up my uh, notes with too much stuff. Classic James. Um, but it's an area in Queens. Um, I guess the first thing I want to do is send you guys a, uh, I want to start a group message. I want to send you some pictures because I found uh, because there's a park right by yeah. his, uh, where he, that corner, uh, they, there's some, I found some old pictures like of of oh. in the forties of what seventy third and Utopia Parkway looks like, and to be completely honest, I was uh, surprised at uh, the lack of um, stuff there because it was basically a um, like farmland <laughs> for a long time, and mm-hmm. then um, a company in the early parts of the twentieth uh, century tried to buy it for a place for Jews to go to leave. Uh, the Lower East Side and then Mm. they ran out of funding and then 30 years went by and then uh, then finally they got uh, a company got funding and uh, was able to was able to get that sort of project uh, taken care of but I've sent you guys maybe some pictures that triangle that you see sort of close up in the black and white one and down Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. middle center in the CPU one is the park and he lives sort of in the Hypot like right below the hypotenuse of that triangle. So he lives sort of um, across the street in the first one is sort of where his house would be. But like, there's like open land. Like yeah. when you go to Queens and like Spider-Man Homecoming, which is a little bit, it's basically over a lake or sort of over a, a little body of water and west is where Peter Parker lives. It's like a city, but this is like, not that and i know that right. you know it's it's 60 years or something in between but like i was surprised about how un it's an urban environment it was um was one the one thing that i saw and then the other thing is i think that in well in the comics erskine is jewish established i think that that 73rd and utopia parkway that area um being a uh sort of where a lot of orthodox and conservative jews live I think 73rd and Utopia Parkway is him is a code for I'm I'm German but I'm Jewish. Is this I mean like I mean you're saying that he's trying to communicate that to Steve or that the people making the movie were trying to be sneaky about both confirming and not confirming that he's Jewish. I don't huh. if I can ignore the people making the movie I do. So in movie yeah I think that it is a sort of friend of Dorothy way of saying if you know, you know. You're from right. you're from around here. Maybe you know what 73rd and Utopia Parkway means. Maybe you well, don't. He at but... this point doesn't actually know where Steve is from. True. Steve true. Is... Right. Well, so <laughs> he maybe doesn't he's... know that Steve's a local boy. Exactly. Yeah. Per- per- I mean, relatively local right. because, but, but right. like Ohio was one Ohio, of the places Paramus. he said he was from. Right. Paramus. New Haven, Connecticut, stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. How how waspy are you, Steve? Um. <laughs> uh, there's an eye chart on the wall 
uh, behind him, there's the on on the wall behind him are two things. One is the thing that says it's in, it's illegal to lie in your enlistment form, and the other is an eye chart that doesn't have a big E at the top. And I was very fascinated by this, so I did a lot of looking into uh, Senate. Um, I think they're called Senate. I didn't actually. I I searched it so many times, but I did not write down the word. There, there's a standard eye chart that basically the letters get smaller by the same amount so that if you're a certain distance away, you can see how good or bad your eyesight is. Um, and usually they start with a big E at the top um, and then go down into sort of an established uh, thing, but they don't have to, but they sort of generally do. But this one starts with an A and then it goes XOTVH, UAX, et cetera, et cetera. Um, huh. And I would have been, been like, okay, so it's just another random one, but I kept finding it only for sale from India, this specific one. And so it, instead of having uh, uh, the letters C, D, E, F, L, O, P, T, like O, P, T, Z, which is the big E one, it has A, H, M, O, T, U, V, and X. And most of those are hmm. uh, symmetrical. Like um, you can bisect them down the middle and they are like mirror images of each other, which is weird. Um, so, my thoughts on this are either it's just a props thing and they could find they found it cheap, but you can print them. So I'm not really sure what the cost saving would be for one or the other. But my 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 favorite theory is that they were like, if we have one that's not the Big E, it would be like, oh, weird. This eye chart is so different in the 40s. It's not the same as the one I'm used to. It's such a weird, different thing um, for people like me that, that noticed it, because that was definitely my uh, my reaction was like, a what's the a and then maybe this is the, the standard eye chart in this uh in this universe also it could just be what you have available in a props warehouse when you're dressing rooms you got to go with what's available somebody else could have had the ei chart and so they just <laughs> sure yeah yeah exactly yeah it was just it was wild to me that it was like i was like a x o i chart and like they'd be like i don't know what you're talking about but then exactly the eye chart that's on the wall was available, but only from places in India. And it was weird. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, so maybe like a film, a movie that was made in or people from, or props supplied from India or something. I couldn't find, I didn't, you know, didn't find a solution to it, but it was a weird thing. Cause there were so many to, British people. I, that's what I was. I was like, is it a colonial thing? Like, is it like a that's... British colony thing? But there's no real reason for but I don't think this is controversial. There's no reason for India to come into this story here. So like mm -hmm. that ha that can't have anything to do with it. I couldn't find like, I looked to see if there was a way that like the letters that are used in the Hindu language are not the ones that are used, whatever. I didn't, I, that was, that was a dead end. So I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I didn't find anything that was like, this is the one we prefer now or whatever. It doesn't matter, but it's not the standard one. So that was something, um, interesting on the wall and the other thing is interesting the other thing on the wall is that it's illegal to falsify information i just wanted to i went and found out the <laughs> the code to to that this would have been citing uh just for funsies um so it's in the articles of war which is what was in place from 1920 through 1951 when it was replaced by the uniform code of military justice which is what is in place now 
Uh, and this was Article of War number 54, fraudulent enlistment. Any person who shall procure himself to be enlisted in the military service of the United States by means of willful misrepresentation or concealment as to his qualifications for enlistment and who receive pay or allowances under such enlistment shall be punished as a court-martial by uh, as a court martial may direct. And I tried to find what the punishment, the suggested punishment would be. And basically for anyone E4 and below, and he would be enlisting as a private, which is E1, you get knocked down to uh, E1 pay grade and you can be sentenced to 30 days of confinement. So basically if he gets caught after he starts getting paid, nothing, he doesn't get demoted or anything. He just maybe goes, uh, goes away for 30 days. And then I don't know what, I don't know what happens after that. I don't know if he gets, I guess he gets court, court martialed. So maybe he doesn't get to be a, in the army anymore, but like it was less severe than I thought it was going to be. Um, but you know, that's real. That's reality versus uh, the dire consequences in this movie. It is interesting to think how they would have worked out compensation for Captain America. If right. Never had to deal with that. Right. Like it was, he getting a regular captain salary. Like what was, I mean, uh, what would his pension? I mean, he conveniently froze an ice, so they never had to deal right. with it. But like, he is in- owed so much back pay because he never retired. He never retired. He's been an active duty member. Uh, he was probably listed AWOL True. or something, or missing an action. Yeah. Did we, is there something? There's a movie or something where someone is that is literally they're like, I've been in cryogenic freeze. I demand this back pay, and they like get it, and like it's some I don't know. Um, uh, there's a Star Trek The Next Generation episode where they wake up a bunch of people from 20th century Earth who were cryogenically frozen and one guy is trying to collect his like stock dividends from <laughs> and Picard is Riker tried to tell him that the stock market doesn't exist anymore <laughs> still um, we in a future episode that we've recorded in the past that the audience hasn't heard yet but that we've already recorded <laughs> Um, we talk about how God. he is a captain as promoted to by a senator who can't do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like a advertising captain, like how like right. uh, Captain Crunch isn't necessarily. A... Yeah, I mean his whole status <laughs> is very in question because like yeah, he is exactly. he is officially enlisted in this scene that we're talking about with Erskine. He gets right. his paperwork A one, but then yes, he is promoted to be a OSU. Uh, figurehead yeah. captain by yeah. a senator who isn't in the military <laughs> chain of command. And then when he, he gets, gets cast on the battlefield, captain. he just grabs a motorcycle and he goes and saves people. And then they start treating him like an official, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Fake it till you make it. Uh, you know, it's act it. as if is sort of how uh, he, he gets going. Oh, very non-traditional Tom career has... direct trajectory. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just, yes I just looked it up because we were, we we're talking about it again. And I was like, you know, but the thing is, I feel like I'm sure that after he saves everybody and he goes into ice, maybe they retroactively make him a captain to actually match That's it. That's a huge Oh, for sure. Leap, but also though. he's a superhero. You know what I mean? <laughs> but actually, apparently... Thank goodness they didn't call him General America. Apparently, according to this, this is like something that's like slightly cut from the movie. But Steve went to Europe initially to entertain the troops, uh, but Private Rogers eventually earns his promotion to captain. Uh, to truly become the hero that he portrays in his movies and USO tour. So they do eventually they do eventually make him an actual captain, apparently. That is in flagrant violation. Yeah, of because when F1. Steve went <laughs> to London, Steve Rogers was ranked O three. That yep, that is a thing. He that is 
And huh. I'm glad they cut that. <laughs> but like the only way you can tell is when he's in uniform like once ever and he has the captain stripes on his uniform. That's mm-hmm. right. Wow. But they have they they have a guy that, that does air quotes around his his rank all like that's his duty. It's just like <laughs> follow him around. Follow him around and do this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that was Bucky's original job. <laughs> all right. It's a mascot uh, job, right? I have all Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um they would normally have an animal do it, but uh <laughs> um I, I have a, I, for, I wrote to take notes on Erskine in the comics, and I, then I didn't. I did look at Erskine in the comics, but I didn't take any notes. Basically, uh, again, we've recorded this episode already, but a couple of, of characters in this movie um, appear again and again, even though they only were in the first Captain America comic because they're part of his origin story, and then something happened to them mm-hmm. then where they weren't anymore. Mm-hmm. Not to spoil mm-hmm. this movie, um, but uh, then they retold Captain America's story so many times throughout the years that like uh, Erskine has 37 appearances uh, in the comics, even though it says like first appearance, Captain America comics number one, last appearance, yeah. Captain America comics number one. So it's like he exists outside of time because they keep flashing right. back to this. There's also a whole thing about how his code name was Joseph Reinstein, but then the guy who took his place, his code name was also Joseph Reinstein, but with a PH. <laughs> all this ridiculousness, like retro, like all this retcon when they were still figuring out how to do retcon, mm-hmm. where it was like code name solved it. Um, but yeah, Erskine is basically as portrayed um, in terms of plot not in terms of sort of what he looks like or what he is like. I was gonna say is his hair that bad in the comics? Ooh uh worse. (laughs) Yeah I would say worse actually. It's uh it's kind of like the the, like side part but where maybe you should just wear a hat Mm -hmm. sort of deal. Mm -hmm. Like you know Augustus thin pieces like Yeah Augustus Gloop is a good is is really it's that gives that vibe very strongly. Yeah. You know um Because Captain America but, is a comic series I never read any of in book form. So. Yeah. You know, Doug Cockle actually played a, a character named Augustus Gloop. Um, okay. No one really talks about that one. I am done. Yeah, yeah. As, as you, you should can be. tell by that. <laughs> <laughs> After that one, that we're cutting you off, sir. Um, well, uh, we've got uh, some more Lindsay coming up in the future. Oh, yeah. Uh, but in the meantime... Um, if you want to hear some more Lindsay, uh, one thing that Lindsay is doing, which I talked about at the very beginning of the episode, is you can find Lindsay in Myth Takes, which is uh, now that I've actually graduated and, uh, and everything like that, it, the episodes are starting to come back in very soon. Uh, and mm-hmm. the first season is going to be coming to a close in like about two arcs-ish. Uh, we had to finish the last one that we started, but we're, we're basically at the end. Uh, but Lindsay is in that, so you can check out Myth Takes, which is an actual play podcast. Uh, and I play an adorable shadow demon. Exactly. Yeah, I was just about to say, so, g- give us, give us like a little, give us like a little twenty second pitch or so of just like the character that you play and like the interests, interests of the character, everything like that. Mm-hmm. I play Noctis, who is an adorable shadow demon who is created as part of a like a spell ritual they don't really know uh something to bring about the apocalypse but ran away and ended up really kind of liking earth and not wanting the apocalypse to happen and one of their very favorite things is eating and cooking 
food. Um, so they are very mm -hmm. obsessively, uh, constantly tasting new things and trying new recipes and stuff like that. They also like to read a lot. Um, yeah, they're a real cinnamon roll for a shadow demon. So one of my Absolutely. one of my favorite things that we do in recordings is we'll be mm -hmm. just sort of chatting like at the beginning of like an arc, and we'll mention you know where people have been in like the meantime sort of thing. And you could always tell it's the start of a Lindsay arc when <laughs> Lindsay's talking about what Nocta's been doing and then mentions some sort of recipe. And then you just hear every other person in the call go, oh, like just everyone going, I want to eat that. And immediately everyone's just so hungry. And we're like, well, I guess it's time to go record for three hours and not eat. <laughs> Dang it. it's, it's a very great. unintentional prank i pull on everybody every <laughs> it's time it's a good prank it's a very good <laughs> prank uh and it's a great character and noctis is in i believe Absolutely. three of the arcs that have come out so far which is uh eight arcs or technically eight and a half um and will be in i believe one if not two more so uh there you have it that is where you can find some more Lindsay. That is my recommendation for the week. I want to say, Lindsay, thank you for joining us on this episode. Thank you for having me. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us as well. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. I'm Lindsay Nelson. Excelsior. Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.